now, 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 your weekly dose of inspiration, inspiration. Perspiration. perspiration, and just the right amount of bull defecation. <laughs> the Get You Some Radio Show, with your host, the Vice President of Making Shit Happen, Terry Lancaster. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to the Get You Some Studio, and I'm your host, Terry Lancaster. I have a great guest lined up for you today. I'm going to be talking to Kathy Cruz. Kathy is the author of Automotive Social Business 2.0, and uh, she was so gracious. I have not one, but two copies of Automotive Social Business 2.0. We're going to give both away those away this week, so we're going to have not one, but two subscribers of the week this week, and each subscriber of the week going to get a copy of Kathy's book, Automotive Social Business 2.0. Now, Kathy is an automotive consultant for car dealerships. And what she does is she kind of goes, she takes a 10,000 foot view and helping car dealerships navigate this path that we've been on for the last 20 years, going from a bricks and mortar business to a clicks and mortar business. Now, don't worry if you're not in the car business. I kind of think of the car business as a canary in the coal mine, because if your business hasn't gone through these changes, it's going to, or it's going through them at least to some degree. So we're going to talk about those changes, how the car business has changed over the last 20 years and where the car business is going to be going for the next 20 years. Because in my mind, the next 20 years are going to make the last 20 years look like smooth sailing. We're going to talk about social selling, and this is applicable for everyone, how salespeople can take advantage of these changes that are going on to boost their bottom line, to increase their referral network and make more money for themselves and their business. And finally, Kathy's going to give me a chance to talk about my favorite subject, the role of mindfulness in the sales process. Kathy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for letting us talk to you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. And before we jump into all that, Tell us about Kathy. How'd you get here? Oh, uh, my grandfather was a dealer in the 60s in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, he, I got in the car business very early, but not working for him um, because he um, passed away actually before I was of working age. But I, uh, I played with Hot Wheels and Matchbox and I, yeah. I really like despised Barbies truly. And, yeah. uh, I built like model cars and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, um, dealer that used to, I worked at a bank when I was in college and a dealer hired me to be his sort of assistant. And then I asked him if I could sell cars. He said, yeah. Yeah. And I used to see the controller walk in the, the store every morning, all mysterious and people would be afraid of him. But I thought, well, maybe he's got some work for me to do. So I approached him uh, and he would give me like minor stuff. And then pretty soon he figured out that I could do his work while he went to golf. <laughs> so I did everything. And uh, while it was, I mean, you could, go the negative route and say it was a lot of work and a lot of things that, you know, they got for free kind of, but uh, I saw it as like a car business university yeah. and, uh, and I've worked every job in a dealership. So uh, I think that's what makes me part of me unique. Um, when I, you know, bring what I do now, because I have a way of looking at each department and how they interact with each other. So as to get to the goal of, you know, making money. So that's what brought me here. And then into the social space was just the recession. And uh, I, I quit working retail in 08 and uh, shifted gears and went into the social space because I saw there was going to need, need be a need inside the uh, store, like an internal process for engaging with customers via the online channels and especially with online reviews. So that's, that's kind of what brought me here. 
So, so you, you concentrate here and the, the car business has been bricks and mortar. It's been, it's been for a hundred years, but the last 20 years with the internet and the last 10 years, especially when mobile taken over, the car business is almost like an e-commerce business. How do you, how do you get dealers all, who are oftentimes stayed stuck in their ways? Cause they've been doing this a long time and I've been making money at this for a long time. And why should I change? And you know, you can't sell a car over the internet and uh, you know, everyone wants to drive a car, just get them in. How do you get these to integrate into one? How do you get the synergy going? How do you get one, one big functional unit out of the whole thing? You know, I think if you ask every person in the business, uh, the dealer on down, everyone would admit that sales is changing and customers have changed and there's less foot traffic. There's different ways that people are communicating. You know, they may not want to admit it, but they know it. And that that getting from that to changing the way that the business is going from the bricks and mortar to sort of an e-commerce i think to me i was just thinking about this the other day that is such a, a huge shift it's like a different business model and i mean i hate to say this because again i was talking about this the other day but you know new car dealers are their franchises and the manufacturer has traditionally been up uh, and still is a partner but in my experience, you know, since the 80s, it was uh, a supportive, like, help us sell as much as possible. But the, but with now that we're in this sort of business model changing kind of aspect of things, and, and it's not done changing, there hasn't been a lot of support from the manufacturer. So dealers are trying to do it themselves. And uh, it is, it's, very difficult to, to change that business model, especially when you're not in the space, like some dealers or their, their managers, some of them are already in the space. They understand like social selling and having salespeople meet customers online, just like they would if they were in the store. Uh, but there's a lot that aren't in that space and navigating it. So I, I see kind of the manufacturers kind of missing an opportunity there to really help sell more cars by being more supportive with training and information uh, it's just the the level of that right now is very poor. Well, I, uh, I, I kind of actually look at it. I think the manufacturers are almost more of a competitor now because yeah. in the role that I've been, I've been doing advertising for years and years. And it used to, you know, back in the good old days, nobody cared what I said in the ads. The manufacturer could not care less anything about what the ads. You, you say something and sell cars, you're all good to go. And now every manufacturer has this big giant approval process that you have to go through to get their ad say. And they're actually shaping the image and they're battling for control of the rep of, of, of the uh, the relationship that people have with the consumer so there's the first tier marketing and the second tier marketing and the third tier marketing and they're, they're they're kind of melding because they're all jumping past all of that and going straight to the consumer and the uh i think you know the manufacturers are just as much a competitor as everyone else they're they're, sell, they're selling leads <laughs> uh dude i totally 100 percent agree with you i just said that the other day because it was like Without that support, you know, it, it was the subject of preferred vendors. So the yeah. manufacturers, they, they name these preferred vendors and I'm all for preferred vendors. I love that, except unfortunately, these preferred vendors have really, really poor products. Mm -hmm. They aren't gonna get the dealer where they need to go today. It's from, the products are based like if it was seven years ago or 10 years ago. And so yes, competitor, but, but you know, there's and there's no reason to have one or the other if there was some some serious strategy worked out between the manufacturer and the dealer. Like, what can we do to further along the brand, 
so if it's a Ford, for instance, if it's a Ford brand, let's the manufacturers that that world of manufacture the manufacturer's world is more uh, getting the brand down and the interest in the brand as opposed to like a Chevy or a Dodge, mm-hmm. and then have a strategic plan for having the dealer take what that message is and then incorporate it into the dealer's lack of a better word brand. Okay. Cause the dealership has a brand. They are a local business that people know they have repeat customers that love them. It can happen, but so far I haven't seen, I've, I have not seen really any successful uh, outcome of that. Well, the consistency in my mind, the consistency that they're all striving for and all their consultants are telling them they have to have, that's eliminating the chance for each dealership to differentiate themselves. Bob's Ford in Los Angeles and Joe's Ford in Los Angeles, by, by requirement, have to pretty much look and sound exactly the same. So in that world, how does the dealer differentiate himself from, it, from his competitors? Exactly. And I, I'll give you an extreme example. Uh, I managed Beverly Hills BMW. And I worked in Beverly Hills for a long time, 15 years in the automotive retail environment. <laughs> and the, you know, there is a very specific customer. It requires you to get really good at customer service, uh, at communicating with the customer, at, at following up on things when things go wrong. It gets, it just increase, it like improves, it raises the bar. And, but the customer is very specific. Um, when, uh, when an- if you take, so we had a large uh, public company by that dealership and that public company there, they were based in North Carolina, mm-hmm. very different environment, well, very different customer. Okay. Couldn't be more opposite probably in some cases, but they, they were wanting us to sell cars the way that they did because their model worked for them, but mm-hmm. that model didn't work for us. And that's kind of, the the it's a illustration is kind of the extremes but the reality is is if you know a dealership in beverly hills and a dealership in north carolina have a very different approach to way the customers want to engage and since the customers are in charge and it can feel like you're out of control sometimes um if you tap into that like why my customer was was buying from me who are who are we why do people buy from us then you're going to get a lot further and not feel so much like you're out of control yeah. Well, one of the things that, that every, the different, matter of fact, I was, I was reading in your book a little while ago that uh, every person has three things that differentiate them that no one else can ever duplicate your name, your face, and your experience. So one of the things that's going to differentiate one dealership and one business from another is the salespeople. And I've, I've, I've started hearing this term. I've heard, heard it bandied around as fourth tier marketing that we've gone past the, 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 the manufacturers and we've gone past the, the, uh, the dealer groups and we've gone past the dealerships and the real battle is happening hand to hand content in the trenches with the salesperson. And that's where social selling comes in. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just had Mike Carrera on and uh, he's one of my, he's a good friend, but he's also one of the, guys that really, guys and gals that really understand how to communicate uh, who he is. He, uh, he and I were part of, we did a case study. I did a case study with um, a gal named Renee Stewart um, mm-hmm. on social selling quite a few years ago. We were pretty ahead of things. Um, it, was, it was probably six years ago now. And, uh, but he has really, like his numbers speak for themselves mm-hmm. and what he does. And <clears throat> I think that uh, if every, but you're right, this hand-to-hand combat. And I think if, as a, if it's a dealer, whether they're a new car franchise or they're independent or somebody like a CarMax, the salespeople 
you know, I always like to say like your, your uh, customers online and your inventory is online. So why wouldn't your salespeople be online? And in making them ready to be online too, there's another component to it. Like having them, you know, some of them aren't ready for prime time just yet. You know, right. you know Mike's honed his brand for years and years and he understands exactly what his customers are looking for and how to find new customers because finding new customers is important. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that if dealers or managers, cause there, yeah, there's another component of the middle management, whether it's the general sales manager or just in between the owner and the GM or the GM and the salesperson, there's a lot of mud I see there. Uh, I see no buy-in. I see just, uh, not no acceptance towards this. And if in fact, you are a trying to become a e-commerce business then those managers are going to have to change their minds they're going to have to understand that these the salespeople really are like people buy from people yeah yeah people buy from people that's 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 the bottom line 100 and and you mentioned the salespeople being not ready for primetime players so we we really have you have two problems you have the the people who are completely against it and then the uh, the fad of the week and, and people who jump in and not really, and you talked about this in the book, you people jump in and they don't really have a plan. They don't really have a strategy. They just know that, that everyone else was doing a bucket challenge this week. Well, I should do a bucket challenge. And they put that post on. And next week they're doing, you know, a push-up challenge. Or, and, and, you know, the next week they're, they're posting videos of their cat. And, and there's, no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So they, they kind of, they put the cart before the horse. So what are some things they need to get together to get their act together before they start going full bore? <laughs> well, definitely they need to differ and understand that differentiating yourself because you have your name and you have your experience and you have your image. What's different because in all marketing, you know, marketing, just traditional marketing, what is the differentiator? What makes you different that makes people remember you and identifying that as a person, like what makes me different mm -hmm. and and then being able to communicate that. Now there are uh, tools out there and there are, well, Renee Stewart for one, she's a coach that does that kind of thing that will actually take you along the path to help you discover what it is that makes you different. Um, and because if you're, if it's foreign to you, it's very difficult to just jump in and try to say, oh, well, I'm different because, and a lot of people will say things like, oh, you know, I've been in the business for 20 years. Right. Well, that's awesome, except other people can say that and it's not quite dialed in enough. And if you don't have it dialed in, then it's gonna end up going everywhere. And, the, and we all know everywhere does not, does not work. Yeah. It, it needs to be more defined and memorable. So definitely have who you are and what makes you different. And then I would say practice uh, creating or, or sharing content that your customer or your prospect is looking for whether yeah. you've written it great if it's written it or if you you know have a podcast or if you have that's probably a little too far to go but uh, um videos you know some kind of way to to show your expertise yeah. and you can do that also by sharing good other people's content too and reaching and and trying to engage people online and don't try to go for everybody because you know, the people that want to reach everybody that old traditional marketing are the people with all the budget. Like, yeah. you know, there's only so many people that can afford to like put an ad on the Super Bowl. Right. Okay? That reaches everybody. It's the race to like whoever can spend the most, but yeah. salespeople and dealers for that matter, you don't have the, all the money. You're not spending 
millions of dollars. So how are you going to reach those people? And um, so think of more targeted, closer audience, closer into and aligned with the values that you have and, uh, and, and those that can um, engage, that feel like good engaging with you and you with them, like just a relationship. I know for lack of a better term, relationship, we test that, that uh, term around, but. Yeah. yeah, and we all have the same budget uh, and time-wise, and, and this social media is, is is not cheap in money and it's not cheap in time. But we've all got a twenty-four hour uh, a day budget to work with there. So you have to you have to pick your battles. And I actually was having this conversation with with someone yesterday, and they said, "Well, how do I decide? You know, I, I'm I'm on I'm on Facebook and I'm on I'm on YouTube and I'm I'm on Pinterest and I'm on Instagram. And how do I decide where I want to spend my time? And I love the way you said it in the book. Jump in, and and spend your time working with the, 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 the platform that scares you the least. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, any, any other ways to help you find your, find your battle there? Yeah, I, I termed it that way because um, I could say, you know, go where you feel the most comfortable, but, you know, that might be just a little too, I don't know, kind of not motivating. So, right. where, and there's a lot of fear. <laughs> There's a lot of fear. Right. So if you're brand new, you know, what scares you the least? And just choose that way. And then I would say the second thing is, um, uh, if you're so inclined, because another component of that would be, try to think about where your customer is spending the most time. There's some people that enjoy Twitter. There's some people that enjoy being on Instagram. And you'll find customers on those platforms if you're engaging regularly. Mm -hmm. uh, and Facebook too. Facebook's getting more difficult to engage uh, anybody really if you've got a page. If you've got a personal profile, then right. absolutely. But, right. Uh, if you don't have a budget for to promote anything that you do on Facebook as a page, then you're not going to really get very far. So, so yes, yeah, scares you the least. And then take into consideration, you know, if you live in somewhere that, like, I have a client down in um, Jackson, Tennessee, and they're 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 not too far from Memphis, but it's not really metro, no. but it's not really, you know, it's not really like um, rural either, but their customers aren't really using Twitter. So yeah. I always say, go where, put your, put your effort to where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm very familiar with Jackson, Tennessee. That's just around the corner. So. That's right. You're right there. <laughs> yeah, about halfway there. And then uh, we talked about differentiation. One way you can differentiate yourself is, is I tell people and, and, and everyone tells us this is a new information, but you can't, you can't be selling all the time. You can't come on and it's, it's not broadcasting. You're not having, you know, the, the 199 down a month sale and you can't be hit that 24 hours a day. You have to have something else to talk about. And one thing that uh, people I know used to talk about, because you do this, and my buddy Kenny Landrum does this, is they all have something that they support. Kenny is a big advocate for child seat safety, and he pushes those. And you're you're a big advocate for uh, for the for uh, uh, animal animal rescue and, and working with the the horses. So talk a, talk a little bit about that and and how it differentiates you. Yeah, that's uh, a big component. You know, for a long time, I've been an animal, animal advocate my entire life, really. And I, I've migrated over into activist, actually. But, um, uh, but for a long time, I didn't, I didn't want that to be part of my business. Well, I think it was kind of, you know, we didn't do that often. It, it was part of like what you did, but it wasn't something you broadcast. And it's hard for us to broadcast things about ourselves. But then I realized, well, you know, if what I, ha what I know about what's going on if i can tell other people it'll help it'll help the horses 
and it'll, you know, because the things that are, especially now that are going on, most people don't really know. And, uh, and so it's really just, I can, I can further that information. So I would say that, um, try to get over the hump if you are volunteering or if there is something that is close to your heart and you're already doing it, don't be afraid to share that content on wherever you are, Facebook or, or Instagram or somewhere. And because the more you do it, you'll get feedback from those that are following you and they'll guide you. Now on mine, you know, mine, because it is horses and part of its wild horses, it ventures into the policy of the United States of America. And that can get into a, um, kind of a political kind of bent. So I've gotten, you know, a few people that look at it like, you know, oh, she's, she's going political, but be willing to, to like, those are going to happen. And, uh, and that's okay because yes. not everybody is right for everybody. And I'd rather have those that uh, are, are believing and understanding the issue and want to do something about it uh, I'd rather work around those people and engage with those people than the ones that are going to be naysayers or argue because something else is a different way. It's, um, I don't mind, you know, questions. We love questions, but uh, when, when it starts looking like something different because of their beliefs or maybe their perception, uh, but don't be afraid, you know, don't be afraid. Just try it and see. And um, because when you're, we all have things we do, whether it's, um, you know, in our hobbies or, uh, you know, I practice yoga or I, uh, I work at, I'm on the board of the horse rescue and I'm advocating there. We all have our little activities that we do outside of work and we're not all just robots working. And yeah. I think if you can share that, maybe you like to garden, maybe you, there's things that if you just in this idea of identifying who you are and differentiating yourself, that's what makes you, you. And those people that are, like other gardeners, if you're a gardener, you like to garden, people will feel more closer to you and start actually, um, that starts developing more trust. And then that in turn, as we all know, those of us that have sold cars, then you're going to be the one they're going to ask about, hey, what do you think about this model car? And, you know, that kind of thing. Well, you know, and, and everyone think again, everyone thinks that this is kind of a new process, but friends like to buy from friends and they always have. And that's why, that's why people went to the Rotary Club and that's why people played golf and they, they go and they talk about their kids and they talk about all this stuff and they build a relationship as an authentic human being. Because if you're just selling 24 hours a day, you're not an authentic human being. We're all multifaceted creatures. We need to, we need to not be afraid to share some of these other aspects of ourselves. I totally agree. And I also should add, I want, I want to add that it's okay to talk about the selling part of it because some people go the other way and right. they go, oh, I feel like I'm going to spam somebody. But if you do it in a way where you're illustrating to the audience what it's like to work with you. So maybe you've got like an awesome story around a customer. Maybe they were getting the first car for their daughter for college or the wife's birthday or, you know, whatever the case, if there's an interesting story and you can document that some way, uh, even with just a short testimonial video or something, um, that illustrates what you're doing without being salesy. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that you'd want to have in in the your process of uh where you're sharing content or creating content for free prospects 
All right. I, I, now, so speaking of differentiating yourself and, and sharing yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come out of the closet, Kathy. I'm, I'm a redneck from Nashville, Tennessee. I've worked in the car business for 30 years. I play ice hockey on a beer league ice hockey team with a bunch of grown men spitting and cussing and scratching their groin regions. And I also, <laughs> I also practice yoga and mindfulness. You do. I do. And so, you and, yoga. Awesome. Oh, oh yeah. I, well, actually, I, I, I do. I do what I call naked yoga. It's it's a whole. But it's not really. It's not really naked, and it's not really yoga. But going out my deck, scantily, scantily clad, uh, jumping around and stretching didn't have the same ring to it. So I, I like to stretch and I and I meditate. Two things. There's two things I do every day. Hell or high water. I run every day and I meditate every day. Every single. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and it's changed my life. And so I talked about it, everyone I can, and most people look at me like I've lost my ever-loving mind because most of the people I hang around with aren't, 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 aren't yoga, meditation kind of people, and nobody's got magic carpets and candles that, that they're burning. Yeah. And so, but in your book, I was reading through there, and it talked about, again, the role of mindfulness, not in reaching nirvana, not in going off into a mountain, but in mindfulness to help you sell more stuff. How does yeah. mindfulness help you sell more stuff? I think first and foremost, because I meditate as well, I practice yoga every day and just kind of depends on, you know, how much and, but especially in auto retail, there are customers in the service department too. Customers are in your face every day and the stress of just retailing vehicles in whatever capacity, whether you're a salesperson, GM and everywhere in between. Even the office staff, there's so much stress. And um, having a, just a short connection to yourself in the morning for even five minutes, guided meditation. There's lots of really great five, 10 minute guided meditations. Shoot, you can use your phone for, there's a great app called Calm. Yeah. And it could get you into a practice and five minutes and just do it. I would challenge you to do it for, they always say it takes three weeks to make a habit. So try it for three weeks. And, and things will start changing. It's changing for, uh, you'll feel calmer, you'll feel more uh, motivated. And uh, with regard to mindfulness, you know, the term mindfulness, there's, you know, I was saying this to a, a group of, I was on a panel and I was saying that, you know, everybody needs to get up. It was a panel of, um, or a, a conference for, for dealers. And everybody needs to understand that um, everybody meaning dealers, really to get out of this denial that it's fun to go to a dealership mm -hmm. because it's not. And uh, so few people really address that. And part of it um, is the customer just doesn't feel when they go to a dealership, they don't feel like they can trust anything that's happening there. And there are dealers and organizations that are perpetuating that, that like, that feeling in the customer oh still today but if you're practicing mindfulness it causes you to have more compassion for yourself and if you can have more compassion understanding for people these people are buying vehicles and servicing vehicles when you're buying a vehicle it's a milestone it's something that you'll never the person will never forget what's happening and when you're inside the dealership working that that's just it's like another day and so just stop for a moment and understand that the customer is a milestone for them. Same in service. They're there getting their vehicle worked on. They could have broken down on the freeway. They could have had a flat tire. These are things that they will probably tell their friends and family for years if something good happened or if something bad happened. So, um, so mindfulness helps you 
I think understand the customer else you understand your, yourself better, give yourself a break and then have compassion for customers. And maybe that could turn, I know that might seem idealistic, but it might turn this idea of being in a, a car dealership is the most is worse than having a root canal because yeah. that is the reality. Yeah. Okay. And in going into the future with all the disruption uh, that's happening to just the dealership model or just auto, automotive transportation in general, uh, we're going to have to get on our game here. Yeah. And uh, because we could wake up in a few years and things can be very, very different. Yeah, I, I, I think. Well, I mean, I'll ask you real quick because we're about to run out of time. But how do you think things are going to be different over the next 10 to 20 years? I read a big article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that outlined the future of the car business and from everything from autonomous cars to car sharing to, uh, to, to car subscription services uh, to a whole bunch of things that didn't say going to buy a car every three years in a dealership. So yes. how, what do you think the car business looks like 10, 20 years down the road? I think ownership is going to be something like someone said that the way that, I don't know if I agree with it, but someone said that the way that smoking was years ago, that everyone smoked and then all of a sudden it became like, ooh, you know, mm -hmm. um, through realization. Uh, someone said that, that driving a car because of the component of fossil fuels is gonna be looked at the same way. And some could argue it's looked at like that now. So we're going to have these more efficient vehicles. Uh, we're going to have people that don't want to own, that want to ride share and whatever that means. And I think that the uh, dealership model as it stands now, I'm not so sure it's going to be, well, I know it won't be the same. I think the pay plans will change. I think this there will be and still need for salespeople. Uh, but I see a streamlined uh model where you're not you don't have the middle management so much there's still going to be a need for vehicle repair mm -hmm. um but i think the thing that scares people is they think it's going to all go away and i don't think it's all going to go away i think virtual reality and augmented reality is going to have a component uh, especially with regard to uh giving the customer a better experience while they're demoing the vehicle online mm -hmm. uh that's where the manufacturers can really kick in because you know dealers don't have that type of budget for right manufacturers do and you see some of them are doing are at least I read that they're doing they're doing it so so I, I think just the takeaway is like not to be afraid that it's all going to go away one day and the dealerships are going to be extinct it's understand that people this came about partially because people don't want to go to dealerships and uh, and so try to deliver the best experience you can to your customers and constantly reinvent what that is and then also embrace these new forms of transportation and uh, these new ideas around people just like the automotive transportation model and, and keep your ear to the ground of like what's new and what's coming. I promise to everyone who watches the Get You Some radio show is that each week you're going to get one action step, one thing that you can turn off the computer, shut down the phone, and step back into the real world. One thing that you can do today as a salesperson, as an entrepreneur, as a dealer, one thing that you can do to start making your life better and your business better. Cause I tried to, I try to get everything going hand in hand. So it's a business and life. So I asked every guest, Kathy, what's one thing people can do today to start building a better business and building a better life. Uh, I would say the one thing is constantly learn. 
constantly learning, spend 15 minutes a day minimum, but 15 minutes a day reading books, uh, following your favorite blogs, uh, keeping your ear to the ground about what's going on. Do critical thinking around that. When you gather information, you're, don't be waiting for somebody to tell you how it is. Gather the information and decide for yourself where you see things are going and, and be able to be decisive about that because I think critical thinking is going to be, it, it really is such an important part of anything, of a business, of just the way that you um, spend your time and uh, constantly, like I say, constantly learn, have uh, that all leaders are learners. So uh, I do it. I, you know, I, every day I'm constantly consuming content that I think is interesting or another point of view or something that's going to guide me to do something better and have a better impact. All right. Thank you so much, Kathy. What's next for you? What are you excited about right now? What am I excited about? Um, gosh, uh, I, uh, let's see. I, there's so many things. Um, I'm excited about, because I've shifted my gears a bit and I'm doing uh, more, I'm going kind of going back to the operational consulting side of things. I kind of have a, speaking of differentiating yourself, I have a, a uh, kind of a clairvoyance about dealership profitability. And uh, I think it comes from those days of working all the jobs, but uh, it's just been in my blood. And I just feel that gives me more um, motivation and I'm more excited to do that and especially now that I've been in the social media space for nine years or, or really just digital marketing space I can bring that because I think there's needs to be a, a, a kind of a, a conduit between the business model today and the digital customer and like we talked earlier about turning into that being able to morph into that e-commerce and uh, and let's let's see what's what's exciting for me personally um, uh, I think just, uh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of, of issues around wild and domestic horses right now that yeah. are, um, causing everybody to kind of wake up. And I think the apathy is kind of falling away and it's nice to see people getting on the horn to their Congress people and their senators and, and, uh, expressing their views. So that part's exciting for me. All right. How do we get in touch with you if we need to get in touch with you, Kathy? Oh gosh, I'm everywhere uh, on social. Um, Kathy Cruz, my Twitter handle is Kathy Cruz, and uh, my website's cruisecontrolinc.com. I just built uh, cruisecontrolauto.com to kind of separate the automotive component. Uh, and my email is Kathy at cruisecontrolinc.com. Thank you so much. Y'all get in touch with Kathy. Uh, pick up a copy of the book, Automotive Social Business 2.0, and be sure to subscribe. Two subscribers of the week this week are going to walk home with copies. Thank you so much, Kathy, for taking your time to talk with us. Have a great day. Awesome. You're welcome. Being the boss is fun. Taking your ideas, turning them into something new, and watching it grow. Oh, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun until it's not. Most businesses reach a point where good ideas, common sense, and hard work just aren't enough anymore. They get stuck. Now, it's time to get unstuck. Unstuck 10 Proven Strategies for Breaking Through the Barriers to Small Business Growth. Get your copy today and get unstuck. Get you some radio. You've been listening to the Get You Some Radio Show. Subscribe today at terrylancaster.tv. 
to hear more episodes, win valuable cash and prizes, and get free training to help you create an army of buyers who know, like, and trust you before they've ever even met you. It's a big, wide world, boys and girls. Get out there and get you some.